welcome to Malkir Talks, a Wheel of Time Theory podcast. I am your host, Rob, and today I have been joined by two sultry-voiced puppets. So, boys, why don't you say hello? Hey, guys. Hello. Hi, everyone. So great to have you here, guys. Uh, why don't you give us a little brief rundown of what we're talking about today? Oh, well, we are talking about um, the the origins of the possible origins of, of Mayor Bran Alvear and its implications throughout uh, where Egwene might have gotten some of her moxie or stubbornness from, I suppose. So yeah, this was a uh, a great theory that um, I stumbled the I stumbled across when we were doing the podcastathon uh, the guys were doing, and uh, yeah, I'd like to dive straight in, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me just, uh, if I can. Yeah, go for it. I'm here with my brother Ryan. I am his brother Dan. We host a podcast and, hmm. and puppet show. Uh, oh, hilarious puppet show! If you haven't checked it out, guys, you need to go and, and see it. It's brilliant. And uh, it's a puppet show. We do fun stuff. We have guests on. We're going to have Malkiar Talks uh, on shortly, uh, if he'll do us the honor. And it, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time. It's a fun time. And uh, we do mostly a spoiler-free section. We do have a spoiler-filled section called Tavern Talk, in which uh, lips are loose and rumors fly like ravens when village Lie. folk throw rocks at them. <laughs> 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 nimble ravens <laughs> so so yeah so yeah uh i'm i'm looking forward to this discussion thank you very much for having us on Malkiar talks oh no it's it's a pleasure to have you guys you're hilarious to watch and uh, yeah if you haven't found them on youtube the way of the leaf you need to go and, and track them down and watch it's so much fun <laughs> but uh yeah as you've previously said today uh here we are we're, we're talking about bran alvear mayor of emmons fields in the two rivers and um, just kind of like, I suppose, how he got there, um, what, how he keeps it, what he does to Evansfield in the process. And uh, I think we're going to dabble a little bit on the effect that has on Egwene at the same time. So, uh, Dan, Ryan, don't know who wants to go first, but uh, why don't you kind of just uh, lead us into your thoughts here? Yeah, so we basically have this penchant for thinking uniquely. Uh, our whole lives, we don't, basically, we don't think right. Um, teachers have been telling us for years we don't think right. <laughs> yeah. so what we're what we're doing is, you know, so Dan has this amazing devil's advocate uh, brain. Any any argument he can find some sort of twist to it. And I have um, I come from like a punk rock uh, background. I kind of question everything naturally. So I think we're taking this into our reread and our show. And so we're finding these weird little things that are unfilled, and we're just kind of doing what ifs right we kind of do this kind of what if thing and sometimes it actually ends up leading to things you know we think actually means something sometimes it leads to just things that are just really funny um one of them one of our what ifs is you know what if uh bran alvear um is kind of nefariously holding control over evans field he's been the mayor for 20 years and he has uh, you know, the in where um, if there's going to be an event that he might want to hold, people stay at his inn. He's obviously profiting in, in these ways. He's the richest man in Evansfield. And so we kind of did a what if. Like, what if, say, Bran Alvear invented Coughlin Talk 
to keep down the Coplins. We don't know anything about Evansfield before uh, Branovir. There's a chance that maybe a Copland was in charge. Maybe the Congress and the Coplins were actually in charge of Emmonsfield. Maybe Emmonsfield looked a lot different. Maybe it was a better place. Mm. So we kind of went down this road and we started an ad campaign. And um, Brad Alvarez's ad came out first and he clearly uh, was favored. And he, he obviously, because he paid for it, um, he presented himself in the best light possible. And then uh, we started to add our com- uh, competing ads. And they started to poke holes into the narrative of Brand and started to kind of expose him as a, a kind of power-hungry, greedy, violent person. So what – yeah, so go, yeah. So that's the genesis of this all, and uh, it's fun to just see where this is going to go. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be uh, hilarious. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, uh, our rabbit hole t- quickly turned into a badger burrow. <laughs> <with this> thing. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we started going deep, and uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting little thought experiment to just be like, okay, uh, this guy does have to earn his position. It is not lifetime, and so uh, what would that look like if we were to put it to an actual uh, electoral? A vote per se and of course we got a little ridiculous with narg and fashion chin and and uh, oh narg Copland. yeah we we love those I think narg won didn't he i remember he did he was he was the only one with the comprehensive plan he wanted to bring in plumbing. <laughs> he wanted to create electricity he narg narg's ridiculously smart it turns out oh yeah narg's a genius so yeah i'm not surprised he won but I'm uh, I'm I'm loving this theory, guys, because Bran is the only person in town with thatch roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sorry, he doesn't have a thatch roof. You know, he's he's tiled. He owns the only inn in town. Uh, I mean, you know, everyone looks up to him. You know, Rand speaks highly of him. Speaks to his father about him. Um, you know, all these sorts of things. Yet, no one uh, no one mm-hmm. does anything else. You know, it's that he's in control. Well, right. And, and, well, and, and, well, and we should also remember that this is uh, Rand doesn't know any better. So Rand has always had Mayor Alvier as as the uh, the mayor. He lives in the only house that isn't thatched. Uh, he makes his money off tourism from a, a community that is shockingly xenophobic and does not want um, s- strangers. And so, how does he make his money? Well, he's also in charge of all the merchants. He wears that little scales at silver scales and suddenly he's mm-hmm. in charge of the merchants as well yeah uh when there's an especially hard winter what does he do he has a gleeman and fireworks and these aren't things that are, go- are gonna feed the people but it may bring some people into the wine spring in and so we we were starting to question some of his motivations and now granted this is all before uh, the the second invasion of Trollocs. This is yep. before uh, Perrin Golden Eyes, Lord Perrin. This is before all that. The, we were exploring uh-huh. uh, Rand's adolescence and even before that and, and who may have been in charge before. And was it the Coplins? And was Copland talk something that was perhaps a, a, a political slogan that just around? And remember, Brent Alvarez is, 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 throws that around quite a few times. And also yeah, is true. the only one to throw out the black veiled Ail man, which <laughs> which causes everyone to go, whoa, he went there. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the record scratch. 
and everything stopped. <laughs> it's like, oh no, you did it. Did you just, oh my God, did he just use that? It was like, did he really just say Black Veiled Ailment? Oh my God. <laughs> but onto the um, the point of the Congas, like they are, they really are, the, the Copland talk, the Conga talk, things like that, they really are just sort of like trodden down and, and everyone, you don't really know any history. I mean, uh, this is making me think perhaps the Congas were previously in charge of the mayor of town or something. Well, well, what can they do is the question. You know, well, no, 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 no. We're, we're, oh, we're giving this story <laughs> through an unreliable narrator. So if Rand doesn't comment on him, it's not it, maybe he just doesn't have the respect to even acknowledge their profession. You know, if yeah. they are just Coplins and Congers is my thought. Go ahead now, right? Sorry. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, um, what can they do? Yeah. They're um, socially and perhaps economically oppressed in so many ways. Um, sure. As we see that they have children, and these children are literally growing up in an environment when their last name is an, a slur that is being you know, slung around. So what can they do is my question. They might want to uh, improve their lot in various ways, uh, but maybe uh, just the environment, the environs around them is not allowing them. You know, they might have problems, and they seem a little touched uh, in ways. And I, I have an anecdote I want to talk about later. But um, you know, so they might literally have problems. But you know, what can they do in an environment like that? Yeah, that's so true. I mean, it's got to be tough growing up, and you know, as you say, having your name used as as a, der- a derogatory term. Um, and that's that's a really rough thing to deal with for sure. But for me, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but for me, sort of, I mean, Brand's been mayor for for twenty years, and he's the head of the village council, and you know, everybody has to come to him for everybody uh, for everything. You know, like merchants come mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. travelers yep. and things like that. They all come to him, yeah. right? And, 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 oh, and to your point, uh, they the the village council meets at the Wine Spring Inn. And so how awkward would that be if the mayor gets voted out? Oh, yeah. He, but he owns the place where all the political action happens anyways. It's, it's, it's an, it, there is. I mean, you could say that, uh, you know, he has uh, his fingers in a lot of pies, tentacles, whatever sort of thing. Tentacle sounds sinister, but uh, he has, he has uh, threads kind of throughout mm-hmm. all these things. I mean, what's, does anyone know how to deal with merchants after 20 years? Or does he just take them in the back and and then come out and, and do whatever like they did with Pad and Fame as soon as he shut up? I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Pad and Fame was there. He's talking about uh, the war in Gildan and, um, you know, suddenly they're all like, oh, we're going to take you out back and, uh, you know, talk to you in private. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've just seen the chat where it's like, like and subscribe, hit the bell, come Smash on. That bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I love the live chat. Oh, I'm broken. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Are you uh, derailed you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of derailment. <laughs> 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 it's it's okay it's okay i recover um so what was i saying yeah so you know it, they kind of just like we'll deal with him before you know not in front of everybody else and you know like tam whispers in brand's ear and then suddenly it's like off we go to the wines let come to my abode and we'll hide away from everybody and and it also showed that he had the power to make that call oh yeah no one questioned it 
that he could just say he could just say go home and shut the door on democracy because it's his end. Oh yeah, yeah. This is you know totally like oh I'm in charge. I'm going to just look up. You know you don't get a say in this. Just do it mm-hmm. and um, just totally took over the, the the moment and the situation and gained all yeah. the information from Padding before yeah. it was shared with anybody else around the um, around the village or anything like that at all. Uh, quite aggressively. Yeah, and quite aggressively too. Um, it's a, it's it, yeah, it's it's innocuous to say, hey, let's kind of, you know, you can see uh, benevolent intent if you want to look for it. You can say, okay, yeah, I mean, hey, everyone's getting riled up, you know. He's just like, uh, you know, going to take matters, you know, be a good leader, and um, just kind of settle settle things down. Um, and then they go into an area, a common area. That, you know, that sounds great. But if you look into it, yeah, he he owns the common area. <laughs> he squashed. Uh, a, a, a discussion and, and and communal like reaction. He just basically like violently and aggressively told everyone to just basically shut shut the hell up, and then brought in the cabal of people who are basically elected through secret ballot, which is something I learned in the companion. Oh wow! Um, which is very interesting that it's added in the companion, but I, I don't find it's anywhere added in the books. So I think that point has to be relevant. It's not just an aside point, you know, that the, the okay, so the mayor is elected by secret ballot. They have this group of people. He just brings, basically brings them in. The one saving grace is Nynaeve going in there and busting the whole, you know, sh- you know charade <laughs> up, which is uh, awesome on her on her end, uh, makes her more a hero in my eyes. But, um, it, yeah, it's not hard to see, like, you know, just just twist twist uh twist it twist around a little bit there's uh there's a lot that's unsaid and filling in the gaps you know so anyway so it, what that brings to um us is to you know what does this all mean for i guess edwin yeah and what does this all mean for uh you know her upbringing mm-hmm. um brand you know on two levels brand and you know raised Edwin, you know, so there's a direct, you know, relation. And then, but then Bran has an impact on like the culture around, you know, and if we have, and if we take our theory into account that there's, you know, he is coalescing power. People are kind of being held back the whole entire Edmonds field might indeed be kind of held back to a rural thatch uh, kind of, um, relegated community by design and if that's the case you know we're seeing a harsh 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 world like uh where people are constantly hating children um the the you know Nynaeve walks around with a a, a, a stick and just whacks everyone at will and you know Egwin is raised in all of this right and she has this unique capacity though to somehow leave that all behind like so there's this effect of Emmons Field where I feel like it has this kind of um, uh, backwoods impact and a xenophobic impact and a mind shrinking impact and you see it in, in, in Rand and you see it in Matt and you see it in, in several of the villagers but then Egwin is, is like immune to it she has no xenophobia she has no uh, preconceived notions about the world and she's very open to it so I think it's interesting to put that all together um, you know if we if we take Bran's 
the idea of Edwin never having left, if that was never to be happening, the plan was Bran was raising Edwin to probably take over and continue the reign of power in Evansfield. Uh, are we all in agreement to that? Yeah. Well, it's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I. Too- I- Sorry, I I definitely agree with that. You know that she was being groomed to to take over. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. So she was 16 at the beginning of the Eye of the World, which mm-hmm. means that she has never she has never lived a life that uh, her father wasn't the mayor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're meeting. They're meeting essentially in her living room. They call it the common room, but I mean it's downstairs from her house. So I'm sure that she picked up. Um, she picked up some of these these things that Tam just kind of suggested to Rand was going on with the Pat and Fane situation. She's part of that that um, machination all the time. She hears Senbui, um, you know, disagree with something, and she's able to um, see that happening. But at the same time, she is uh, one of the gold. So to your point, Ryan, Edmonds Field kind of has a few golden children. Perrin is an apprentice. He's he's right off the bat. He's an apprentice. Matt is assumed that he's going to take over the horse trading that his father does. Mm-hmm. Egwin is a young apprentice. Uh, she is 16 and she is already um, interning for her career. Um. I don't know if she braided her hair before she became an intern or if she started interning before she braided her hair. Uh, I mean, so she could have even started uh, younger than 16, which is phenomenal. Uh, But she is the youngest of four girls as well from Bran Alvier, Um, which and none of the other ones really left the area. No. So she, this, this might also her adventure, her thing, her, her wanting to, to jump out, um, might also be because she had three older sisters and it might not that she had been like, she was going to have to leave anyways. She knows that Egwin or Nynaeve rather was going to live uh, to a ripe old age beyond, <laughs> beyond pretty much everyone else. Forever. And so she would have to leave anyways. She was already interning, I would say, and I say interning, apprenticing, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, getting coffee, getting blankets, washing her hands. Coffee. Uh, but she was she was always a go-getter, too. Even in the Ravens uh, chapter, she was the, that, that one prologue where it's in her point of view and she's 11 years old and she's, she's promoted to being a water bearer for the sheep people, which are, which was considered an honor in that, at that stage of her life. So she's always kind of been, been a kind of a go-getter and trying to progress. Oh, most definitely. Uh, I mean, when you read the Ravens, uh, if you haven't go read it, um, yeah, she talks about how uh, she becomes the water carrier the previous year. She'd been doing something with the other children and, uh, you know, she progressed. She'd gotten to that stage earlier than most people get to it. And she really, I mean, she didn't lord it about, but, you know, she definitely felt a bit of pride about that, that, you know, she had gotten ahead uh, to this sort of next stage in that part of the, the village. Well, and and let's also take this then to the White Towers. So you have the novice. Oh, sorry. Are you there, Dan? Did we lose you? Hello. I'm so. 
I'm sorry. This push to touch thing is is my thumb is fat. I got I got Shrek, Shrek thumbs. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so if we compare her her journey from water bear girl to someone who gets her braid to someone who's a um, novice to uh, the wisdom to her next thing, we could almost equate that to the White Tower itself with their. A source of levels to go to that are arbitrary to a certain degree and and she later claims that they're arbitrary by opening it up to all ages um by skipping certain levels there's you know but before that there was this strict this rigid structure that kind of mimicked her upbringing so when she was 11 and was able to bring water to all the people she and sheep, this was her leveling up, per se. This was her gaining that, I don't know. Uh, so anyways, that's, yeah, it, it, it's a... No, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I you know, I, I understand your point that you're making there. But, you know, uh, talking about the White Tower for a moment, she absolutely was, was just trying to, to hop ahead there and um, ad- advance a little bit. Well, just, you know, she was always wanting to take that next step. How do I get faster? She wanting to learn more. You know, I'm a dreamer. Teach me this. And that's very much evidenced by um, when she went to study with the Aiel as a dreamwalker. You know, they set all these boundaries and these rules. And she's like, do you know what? I just, uh, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to follow them. And then she doesn't. And she just, you know, keeps going in behind their backs and stuff. You know, um, what do you think, Ryan? You there? I believe so. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Loving it. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Lost you for a second. <laughs> Jeez, this is just phone. This is crazy. All right, so yeah, I'm ready. So go on, go on. I'm gonna. I'll jump in when I'm ready. All right, cool. So uh, to your point about it, that's one of the more admirable parts of um, Egwin's arc to me is her journey to the IL. She went there essentially because she wanted to become a better dreamwalker. Yes, and and then in order to do so she had to um, acquiesce herself um, to an entirely different cult entirely different culture than than what she had uh, grown uh, been ever exposed to and Jito is is an odd concept to embrace anyways it's, oh, yeah. it's um, it's a personal code of honor um, that she um, she caught to she's like you know i i i have toe i i i'm not a, a real i said i i lied to you and and that uh, that showed more conviction than i don't think i mean that was that was next level type type stuff yeah yeah that's um that, i mean that's a that's a hard code for for anyone to to stick to um you know to to even understand if you're you're not born into it um, but she's obviously got, you know, that, that desire to expand her skills and to, in essence, sort of break the rules and, and sort of get herself ahead in life with almost any cost. I mean, for me, that's got to come from Bran and his leadership as mayor, because although you've got um, her mother involved in that and, you know, she is there, um, 
you know, there's not really a whole lot involved with, you know, her skills or, you know, how she manipulates things or help brand or anything like that. So, yeah. Well, um, one, one detail I do want to point out is that, um, aside from being the greatest cook, she very quickly warmed to Maureen, uh, does not call her Ace to die, seemed to have a bond with her and, a, and an understanding. Which shows either, you know, when I first read, I thought, okay, that's kind of like a woman, woman, uh, woman thing. Like they just kind of had like a woman thing. You know, you know, I just thought they like, oh, they're just mature women. They just had like a talk. They they just know how to talk. Men are dumb, and they got to together and talk. But it, it also, it seems now, you know, that's very open-minded of her. So um, unless she was like being compulsed somehow, that's just a quality that she might have been able to impart onto Edwin. You know, the one thing that is interesting is like, you know, Bran is, you know, we see Edwin as being so exceptional, but yet like the conditions in Edmund's field are not exceptional. And no. Bran is a very much a big part of what all of that. Like, I mean, you'd almost, I mean, again, the buck stops at Bran Alvear. So if everyone's kind of, you know, impoverished and, and, and struggling in a way and not living like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I don't want to sound judgmental, maybe they're living great lives, but, you know, maybe they could be doing better. You know, it just seems like, you know, we have a man who in public, you know, calls her, cop and talk, cop and talk, black guy, young man, uh, you know, black veiled blah, and then this and that. Um, there's all of this contradictions because how did Egwin get to be so great? You know, we see a lot of great qualities in Bran later on, but um, it seems, you know, from the very beginning, it's like, oh, man, like, how did she, you know, come out of this with that amazing brain of hers? So, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, a little detail is that the mom, I'm forgetting her name right now. Um, Mira? Was, was, is, was, uh, was, um, I think it's Marin. Marin out there. Am I right there? Marin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The fact that she was able to kind of connect with Maureen real fast, I thought, showed uh, a kind of a, a different uh, mindset than you normally saw in two rivers. Well, and Mar Marin Alvier is probably one of the most, uh, in a world that things aren't necessarily all black and all white, she is the hands down the nicest person in the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. She she okay. makes these honey cakes from heaven. Like her husband, when he comes in, is like all blustery, and she gives him like she grins at him fondly, and she taps his cheek, and she's you know, Rand wakes up, and he knows that his tray of food has been replaced. I mean, this is this is by far the nicest woman in all of Randland, and so if this is an example. And, but what we first see from Egwin is that she's kind of more naive. And she's like, I would have figured you ran out Thor. And like, uh, like all snippy as a 16-year-old snipping at a 20-year-old. Like, you know, like a bossy pants. Bossy pants? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beat with a stick. Yeah, it seems like it. So she had a lot to learn. And she doesn't necessarily always get past this um men versus women type thing i don't think necessarily but that doesn't uh, i don't know if that stems from uh her upbringing as much as the two rivers themselves 
that there needed to be this this division of power. I mean, this is a reoccurring uh-huh. thing within gender that the division of power is is what makes something great. And yet what we see in the two rivers is people just sniping at each other and not getting along and, and not not making themselves great. They are instead just barely getting by and everyone is angry and grumpy and the person in charge of the women who has a lifetime position carries a stick that will hit people if she doesn't like what you say. This is, Bran Alvear should have had a a stronger hand in this if he wanted that to change. He's been there for 20 years for crying out. 20 years, yep. Uh, but is the uh, sort of the um, announcing of the wisdom is that not women's circle business? Perhaps he well he should be involved, right? Trying to mend whatever this division is that is seems to be um, cultural now. Okay, yeah. Uh, it seems that uh, everyone is just uh, it, you know this grabbing of power. We hear this is women's circles business. We see Nynaeve barge into the village camp. We see a lot of like a lot of their issues isn't in integrating but in separating. And it's when someone tries to butt in to their business is where there's conflict instead of cohesion. I I don't know if this is all on the mayor, but um, he's been there for 20 years. Nynaeve's only 26. So, uh, he could have created a different culture if he, if he chose to, in my opinion, or should have, if he, if he is a proper manager, <laughs> you don't want, yeah. you don't want a workforce that is always hitting each other with sticks. Oh no, no, no you get in trouble for that sort of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you should try to mediate that to, to a certain degree. So many HIPAA violations. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, Nynaeve just says, I mean, even when Senbui says something um, and she's like, oh, you're not sticking your nose into women's circle business, are you? Um, sorry for the voice. And, uh, you know, sort of threatens to sort of whack him with the stick there. Mm. Um, you know, so she is very much just like, there is that division that sort of, uh, you know, sort of uh, violencing. But, so, um, uh, well, uh, oh, no, sorry, you go right. No, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so I just want to talk about this um, secret ballot thing. I mean, surely that's weird. I mean, Bran can just control the answers there if it's totally secret. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's under Emmons Field. I'll read it. It's under Emmons Field. It says the government of Emmons Field consisted of the village council headed by the mayor and the women's circle headed by the wisdom. The vote for mayor was by secret ballot. Women chose a women's circle by consensus as they chose the wisdom the same way. The women's circle always included two or three wisdom women from the surrounding area, but the number uh, fluctuated as did the number of women in the circle. The village council always had the same number of men, and one was always from outside the village to speak for the surrounding farmers. Right, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that just really leaves open to Uh um, Bran just manipulating it there. I mean, if it's a secret ballot... No one has to see the answers that people are giving unless they talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he can just be like, well, even if you have a ballot um, quite regularly, he can be like, oh, you picked me again. How nice. 
Well, and, and I think it's 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 something that we should note that it is done this way in the companion. So why there's no indication in the story that this uh, should come into play. It's just minutia or trivia or or whatnot. Except if you take this and go, okay, well, this oh. has been the way for Bran Alvarez for twenty years, the yeah. richest man in town, where everyone meets at his place, and he, it's. So this is just another thing that makes you go, well, this is this is a little ponderous. Yeah, Ooh. definitely. Like, how do you remember stuff like that, Ryan? Like, like I don't remember details like that. Sometimes it's crazy. Uh, no, I actually no. I got a great memory, um, except I can't remember names. So, like, I'll be. I'm kidding. No, I can't. I can't remember names. It's it's incredible. Um, it doesn't help in situations like this. <laughs> but um, thank you, chat. So um, my point was, I was thinking on a bigger level that um, this age we're seeing is kind of a stilted and uh, stunted age where everyone seems to be uh, in a regressed state that needs to be um, uh, up, 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 kind of, uh, the, the, the carpet needs to be pulled out from different like cultures, different people's mindsets need to be completely changed. It's kind of one of the things that brand needs to do. Um, so this age in and of itself is full of people just not being their best. And I wonder, so the thought came to me, like in the age of Le legends, is there an uh, the equivalent to an Emmons field in the age of Le legends? What would that look like? Yeah. Um... We see that Manitharan itself was awesome. It had waterfalls and, and towers and yeah, to your point, Ryan. Yeah. Even, even where Emmons field was, was awesome. Yeah, very true, very true. Mm -hmm. um, but Minefrin, um it was quite a big place. But in terms of like a, a small village, um, I don't know. I mean, the Age of Legends was just very cool. All the gadgets and show cars and things like that had, were amazing, weren't they? So The flip-flams, the <laughs> slinger-dingers, yeah, the, the wizzos. The thingamabobs. The bazoongas. Yeah. <laughs> Ujima flips. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, go I love, on, go no, on. No, love love the name change. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, you know, got a, a good bit of derailment. It's always entertaining. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they had all the different gadgets going on, uh, all the different things that could help them. So I just feel like they, um, you know, uh, things were a lot easier. People communicated more. I mean, there's that whole piece about the books of if people actually communicated a little bit, they wouldn't be 14 books long. They'd be like, it would be a simple trilogy and it would be all done and dusted quite easy. Um but, you know, that's, mm -hmm. yeah, that's different, isn't it? So, you know, real quickly, everyone talks about how that, that point that if in the books, everyone could just talk, talk, you know, express themselves better, you know, contrary to what I'm doing. If everyone could, everyone, if everyone could express themselves better then the books would be shorter. Now, if we, in our own lives, you know, if I took that in my own life, if I was able to express myself better, does that mean my life ends up being shorter? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I think you're okay. <laughs> Just saying. No, no. I mean, if if you communicate, if we all communicate better, I don't think it was short in our lives. Luckily. <laughs> I know. I I want 14 books. Uh, you know, I want a 14 book life. So I'm just not going to say anything I really mean. I'm going to clam up in important situations. But I should be expressing my feelings. I'm just going to get through to 14 books. <laughs> I think it's the Robert Jordan way. 
the flame in the void, lad. The flame. In the void. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, just just feed all those feelings and thoughts into the flame. Do it that way. There we go. Um, <laughs> just feed that candle. Yep. Keep keep it burning. <laughs> oh God, I love that. Hashtag feed the flame. <laughs> so. Yeah, and actually, actually, Ryan, to your point, so um, this is a, an area that does not um, want strangers. Uh, strangers don't come there. Merchants come there. A couple peddlers come there. A gleeman came there, but he was all viewed with suspicion. Uh, and we saw Maureen and Land show up, and they scrawled a dragon's fang. And sure, yeah, she, she proved herself to be magical, but these are people that are reactionary. These are, these are people that... Um, uh, it, the, we hear of a horse thief five years ago. There was a stranger five years ago, but it turns out to be a horse thief from Terrence Ferry. Ryan and I were like, wait a minute, was this really a horse thief? And uh, and what happened to this cat? I mean, they don't have a jail. Uh, the, uh, how do they met out punishment? How, do, how are these things dealt with? And this person could have just been a, a refugee that their xenophobia just says, oh, don't worry about it, Rand, a young teenage Rand. Don't worry about it. He was just a horse thief. We caught him. And then what? So this this could be a, a much more um, gritty society <laughs> in the village than we're given credit for as well. Yeah, that's a, a really great point. I mean, what happened to that guy was, um, I mean, what did they just, there's no jails. Like, where do they put someone who commits a crime like that? I don't know. Yeah, and one of my... In one of my earlier drafts of the of the campaign ad with the conger, I was going to make the impression that one that he was. Uh, sni- uh, oh, hello. Huh? What? What's going hello? on? Hello. This is the same one. <laughs> so, who's there? What's going on? What is happening? <laughs> oh, let me look. Let me look. Right, what good. is happening? <laughs> oh my God! Oh wait. <laughs> okay. So, for those of you who don't know. Uh, there we go. Zul is uh, a secret little star on this server. I mean, I'm sure many people know she's she's yeah. amazing. And uh, yeah, so she has all the powers to match her secret mod abilities. And uh, yeah, she's joined the, the, the voice chat to listen to us. And it's obviously automatically opened up her mic. So I've muted Zul for the moment. <laughs> but yeah. Oops. Well, uh, Malkier, if you're going to get a, if you're going to get a mod, uh, you aim high and you got, you, you got Zul. Which you is got the best. Well oh, done. Yeah, Zul. Yeah, she is amazing. If you, I can't praise Zul highly enough. She's absolutely, she's a wonderful person. And, and you know so helpful we love you we love you Zul. Right. like right i'm i'm honestly think that Zul could enter this conversation and elevate it like 10 levels but <laughs> if we want to proceed we can <laughs> <laughs> we need to show class in this up so i don't i literally don't know Oh no, it's okay. So it's great. I'm um, <laughs> I I don't I don't think I was making sense, and I don't even remember my point. So let's go. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I mean, what was I saying? I don't know. Zul, you can join us if you like. But um, yeah. Uh, oh, Christ, we were uh, saying. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah, I was saying in my earlier uh, my, my earlier sketch, I had yes. uh, one that Coplin kid or or guy running for mayor uh, having uh snooped around the wine street in and, and hear, heard him getting tortured the the the, the rioter from five years ago yeah um but i took i took 
I took it out. Yeah, I took it out of uh, the script because I thought that was a little controversial. That got, yeah. got dark. That <laughs> got dark. But I do believe it says in the companion that the villain, the the women's circle, uh, met out consequences. In the, in if I think if you look that up specifically. Oh. Um, tell me in the chat if I'm correct or not. But I do believe the the village, the women's circle are in charge of consequences that um, and discipline. So, I think so. I'm looking mm -hmm. up because mm -hmm. I know that um, uh, the village council's in charge of security. So I, I had always attributed security to mean like law and order as well. But you could be very well. I know. So, um... but either, but either way, Master Luhan is involved. <laughs> <laughs> You get the biggest, strongest dude involved, regardless of the capital punishment. You you do something. I, yeah, I know, but once, but once you like get a nosebleed, he's out. <laughs> oh yeah, that's certainly true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I've, I found the section in the companion about the women's circle, um, and it says, oh, I'll quote it, In Andor, a group of women elected by the women of a village responsible for deciding matters which were considered solely women's responsibility. And then in brackets it says, for example, when to plant crops and when to harvest. Um, they were equal in authority to village council, dedicated lines of responsibility, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, nothing about security going on there or like meeting out punishments, so to speak. So... Yeah. Right. Then and, it's just and also, mob. Then my gut feeling is just mob rule. Then I think. <laughs> well, the, I think there's there certainly they, is that we've seen the torchlight committee show up at the wine spring to deal with Moraine and Lan. Um, and there's a possibility. There's a real possibility that Lan could have just walked up there and just killed six old men with torches. Oh yeah, I mean he could have just popped out there and gone woof with the sword and. You know, suddenly there's villages dead everywhere type thing, isn't there? Uh, but, yeah, I say, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I mean, isn't it the village council or, or like Bran and Tam that decide that uh, upon hearing these rumours of this mysterious black rider sort of thing, they, they form like a militia or just people to go out and do patrols um, to, to sort of track this guy down or, or see what's going on or scare him off or anything like that. And it's... You know, it's not the women council that decide to do that. It's it is the it is the the with the village council that do it instead. So, no, correct, oh. and I I think that's uh, the perfect example. Actually, that, that we're forming these guards, we're sending the riders out. We're gonna, yeah, that's the perfect example where the the village council is in charge of that. But there's nothing really as far as like crime and punishment uh, per se. But you have to assume that that occurs. Um, and so that's another question is uh, it, there's no it, Rand doesn't mention any stockades. He doesn't mention any uh, there's someone breaking rocks because he stole a horse, you know, or but I, and I'm sure I'm sure that every little thing kind of got some sort of punishment. So and we have Perrin in a rage cut off someone's hand. So we <laughs> wow. We do. Oh, okay, we we went that far. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we do for the two rivers might not be the, the and we also hear from false dragon being burned alive in alien uh, that that uh, Pat and Fane uh, or that Rand had heard of. So we do know that there is punishment going on. Uh, yeah, and I didn't mean to derail this whole thing, <laughs> but. No, it's cool. It's cool. But, it's cool. But the mayor would be in charge of that. 
um, pro facto. And so uh, I wonder what, what the limits of his power actually were. Yeah, no, we're we're totally cool. I'm uh, I'm all for going off the rails or like going on tangents. This is um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is always a very organic podcast. I mean, even when it's just me solo, I, I like have some notes going on and 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 things like that of like points I want to cover. Um, but pretty much, I just start rambling <laughs> and just going for it. Um, you know, I mean, it's quite fun when it comes to editing because I just check the pauses and that's pretty much it. But, um, yeah, so yeah, all for tangents that that's fine. We can bring them on. But, uh, I just want to go back to the, the Copland talk thing because were the Coplins previously, um, you know, a high ranking society or something like that, were they previously was a Copland a mayor, for example, I mean, these typically when a, a regime or a, a dictatorship or just general leadership gets crushed and, and knocked down, they usually fall right to the bottom of society. Um, and that's got to be tough. So, but the way they're treated kind of implies that they used to be respected and now they're at the bottom of the social order, so to speak. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's a weird one to reconcile because these people do live right in the village and mm-hmm. it's, I mean, we, and we thought of it when we were doing our anti-cyberbullying um, <laughs> yeah. uh, marathon with the Twacast. That, the, yeah, yeah, the off the rails. Oh, surprise! <laughs> been off the rails. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, but that, but yeah, that that was another occasion where we're like, this is this is something that no one has really explored. When you ask people who their favorite person is in the two rivers. Uh, or Evans Field specifically, uh, but yeah, two rivers because to heck with those Terran Ferry folks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who cares? That the high towers and stone walls and whatever is stupid names. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> All right. but we were thinking just how bullying it would be to be born with the last name Coughlin, and everything you say then is Coughlin talk. You go to school, the teacher giggles when it when it says, "Oh, well, according to this Coughlin talk." And the teachers all snicker, snicker, snicker. I mean, the whole thing is just this whole joke within the village that would be very disheartening to be from that family and not deserved for, I would say, anyone who doesn't earn that moniker. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's got to be really rough to be raised with that. Now, um, let's ratchet this up a little bit. Okay. I got some more. I got some more to add. Go now, for it. we see... A moment when the mob is getting unruly, Pattern Fane's playing him like a fiddle. <laughs> Tam whispers into Bran's ear. Bran starts yelling at the people. And then they all go into the white street. Oh. Now, <clears throat> I thought that was it, right? So I have some uh, theories about Tam, and um, I think that it might all connect. So I believe that Tam. Um, knew that Rand was the Dragon Reborn. Um, I believe that Tam um, purposefully uh, held him in a kind of secluded farmhouse, didn't allow uh, for a woman to get close to him, didn't accept a wife, right? Why would he, when she could be a dark friend? Um, he knew what he knew what he was doing. He was raising him to be able to you know well anyway so he literally gives him the the, the void in the flame the scale which is the thing that unlocks everything for him he teaches him you know how to 
kind of assess, you know, the world in real time as we see from winter night on. And, you know, and then we see at the very end, he's like, yes, I was raised better this time. And so what I could suggest, I could be suggesting is that Tam might have been in charge of this all along, needed Emmons Field to remain a backwaters uh, town, did not want any intention, needed everyone to be xenophobic so people don't come snipping around. So Tam was the puppet master behind Bran to make sure that Emmons Field, the conditions of Emmons Field remained safe for Rand so that he could keep kind of developing that boy to be able to do what he did. Mm. We're Wow. I mean, that is, there, there's a whole lot of baggage you're unpacking right there, isn't it? I mean, like, wow. <laughs> baggage! <laughs> baggage. I mean, seriously, like, so you're suggesting that, that Tam was controlling the two rivers so he could hide Rand? Is that basically it? <laughs> Boom! I don't know, I don't know. That's a good point, you know. <laughs> He's like, no, he's going to be Oh, the sword's going to mean nothing to him. Okay, then. Um, so what pops to my mind instantly then is why did Rand never teach... Uh, Rand, sorry, Tam. Why did Tam never teach Rand how to use the sword? Why was that hidden in his attic and not brought out until Winter's Night and all the, you know, the shit going down there? Why why was that a secret and hidden away? That's a good point. That's a great That's point. That's a good point, but that would be the, that would conflict with his uh, ever, you know, need to keep everything a secret for some reason also. So he needed to balance those two out. Yeah, yeah, true. But, I mean, it's not like he could have taught Rand how to channel. Um, you know, Tam doesn't have that ability. So if he's going to teach him, it needs to be something he can do himself. I mean, he didn't know. He, yeah, he, he didn't know anything about his dad. Um, do, do we think that, that Tam knew any of the sword forms? Or is that a specific Borderlands type thing Ilian is way south yeah and so they're not really connected and i'm not sure that when he said he never saw trollocs that he was lying ryan thinks that he was lying that he had seen i think trollocs. he's lying the entire first book <laughs> <laughs> i think he's oh. not said a, a single uh honest thing ever except you know that he loves rand you know yeah yeah until he hits a fever dream and fever dream just truth his truth serum. <laughs> yeah, and he, he literally, yes. He had almost died to tell the truth. That's how, like, pent up he is. Go on, yes. Okay, uh, well, my point of view is, um, let's think about the actor who is playing Tam's father. Hmm. Well, okay, so that makes me be more excited because I do really hope that they develop this, this flesh, my idea out. Because the actor who's playing, the actor who's playing Tam is a powerhouse. Uh, that's Bruce Bolton. Bruce Bolton. That guy was one of my favorite characters in that show. He is so nuanced in his acting. So I hope, um, I hope to God that Tam's backstory is more involved. Yeah, we, need, that... we need a we need a younger Tam. Oh yeah, we need young Tam. Yeah, my theory Steve... goes on. I I don't. Oh believe... wait wait wait, guys guys, that's probably what? Steve is young Tam. Oh. 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 Solved. There we go. Hashtag Steve is young Tam. We have solved Steve for everybody in the uh, in the fandom. There we go. <laughs> Done and dusted. Mic drop moment. Hot You're take. Welcome. There we go. Hot take. 
You know, it's kind of sexist. Hey, wait, hey, hey, I just want to say uh, hashtag uh, what about Dana, uh, right? Um... Because it's so sexist that all of a sudden we're still making Steve jokes, but we don't make Dana jokes. That, I think yeah. I can see it. That that is very true. Yeah. Sorry, Dana. Well, hey, I do have a point though. We never hear about Dana. I think Dana needs to come back. I I refuse to make a Steve joke unless there's an equal amount of Dana jokes. Just well, saying. It's hard. It's hard because the the uh, named female okay. to male ratio in the series is so. There's so many women named that it it, it could be any number of people. But in the earlier books, it seems like there's only few so many guys i don't know <laughs> yeah no that's fair yeah, all right, all right. Any, okay so you guys don't think it's a point i think it's a point i i analyze uh the world around me and i think wow look at that that's an end. there's a bias there everyone should check it no that's fair that's they all fair. think it's funny but i still think dana's like literally the actress dana's like what about me <laughs> it could be a meme why am I not a meme? <laughs> I would love to be a meme. Do you know when Steven's finally revealed how much more love he's going to get than Dana's going to get? Dana's uh, going, oh, remember Dana? No. no I, I'm sick of this. Who's Dana? What? How's that for a hot take? <laughs> You're full. There's a bunch. You've uh, thrown, you've you've thrown just, hot takes just, like pizzas in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hot, hot, hot takes going on everywhere. This is just... It's, I'm loving this. This is just making me laugh so much. It's hilarious. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Nothing to apologize for. I'm loving it. It's great. Don't you worry. So. Yes. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. I've been been waiting for the moment to really reveal my feelings about that. Thanks, guys. Well, I I think it would be awesome if they happened to rename one of the forsaken Zool. Oh, yes. And it would be like, there is no Dana, there's only Zool. And ah. it's, so it's codenamed Dana. Perfect. I love it. Let's have a Zool. This is brilliant. All right. <laughs> How about another? Here's my another hot take. Oh, oh no. here's, Keep them coming. Keep them coming. All right. <laughs> I got hot take after hot take. Wait. I So we never see Rand's uh, dead mom. No, we don't. I don't believe she died. Oh, okay. Boom. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, someone else, right? Someone else just said that they believe she's Nakomi. I like that theory. Oh yes, um, I've heard I'm not gonna claim that theory. I think Lauren had that theory, but um, I do, I do believe that we do not see a dead body. I've read it clearly. Um, it talks a lot about blood. She's not there. Um, so I wonder well, what that means. And but. it's interesting too because in when in during the fever dream when Tam is speaking he says uh he mentions uh that the women they bring why did she come the baby she had covered him the wind had blown the cloak off of it and we have this wind start off every book mm-hmm. the wind blows yeah. mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Lauren has another theory that the wind might be uh, a uh work of the creator or the creator itself. Oh, okay. And so Tam in his fever dream saying that the wind had blown his, the cloak off of the baby. The baby was blue and was going to die. I wonder, hot take, if uh, if that wind was uh, either Tavarian nature or um, the creator itself presenting this child to a benevolent Tam Althor. Oh. Yeah, you need to make. Yeah, no, I like it. 
I'm sorry, say, say again? again? So Rand was Taviran as a baby? Uh, it can be from birth. It's not guaranteed for birth. It's it's from whenever the pattern needs. All right, okay. So, yeah, he's just kind of, the pattern's like be Taviran and attract Tam. Okay. So, and then, so, you know, it, this whole idea that Tam was the perfect dad, right? So, so he was the perfect person to find this baby. Um, you know, to, to, to get into that whole situation, really, you start to have to question some metaphysics about this play, about the, the, the world. Tam has all these knowledge sets that just happen to be exactly what Rand needs. Tam finds the baby. Tam happens to just leave two rivers uh, to quote unquote, go looking for adventure. Um, there's all these weird things. If we just think that it's a coincidence that this person who happens to just literally be the one person to raise him the way he needs to be raised, is that a Taverin, which I could imagine on some level, like the moment Rand is born, the Taverin pool leads Tam to him. But that doesn't explain how Tam's entire life leading up to the moment Tam finds Rand, Tam needed to have a life that gave Tam the knowledge set to teach Rand. So how do you explain Tam's life? And when we get into that, we're literally talking about predeterminism. And we're literally talking about, you know, the essence of whether or not in the end, you know, you know, is anyone really expressing free will? Um, go on. I have a theory about that, too. I'll, I'll save that hot take. But OK, I mean, uh, I've always been one for when I read and a lot of people are thinking that, you know, the wheel predetermines everything and such. But uh, I've never been one for that sort of theory because I'm thinking, um, you know, if everything's predetermined, then, oh, they just, it's planned. They're going to win unless the dark one breaks free and, and destroys the wheel, obviously. So, but yeah, you know, cool. Bring it on. Oh, we lost them. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a, yeah, that is a, oh, are you coming back, buddy? Yeah. And Ryan and I had actually. Oh, there's Dan. Whether Rand had the option to kill the dark, oh, I'm sorry, spoilers, to finish the dark one at the end of book 14, or whether he was always destined to create that balance. Because we've had third ages come and go, and the dark one still lives, and we had to assume that the dragon had the option to kill him, and I don't think that Rand really had to let that 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 creature it, it i don't see any difference between the turning of the wheel the whole way through and so it's to me ran his whole thing has been destined okay now my take is that i think the the reason why tam is so amazing again is that ran is the moment rand faces off with the dark one pulls him into the pattern, that's the first time anyone had free will. And he had the option to literally change it all. And he had to bring up all of his human experience and all of his love for humanity and, and make the conscious choice to keep this pattern going, even though he has been, in his mind, 
I have to defeat it. I have to defeat it. I have to defeat it. But to defeat it would be to end it all. So I believe that that moment was the very first moment of, of conscious free will choice. And that's why it was such a magnanimous, such a huge moment. And that's why Rand is the hero of all heroes, not just a hero of one age. He's the hero of all ages. That's how I feel. Wow. Okay. So mind blown a little bit there, but you're basically saying that um, Rand could only have killed the Dark One when he got sucked into the Dark One's prison, and uh, before then, all he could have done is just uh, carried on the pattern. Yeah. I mean, yes. I think. I think so. Like Dan believes he was always destined to to let the Dark One live, and I think that. Um, I don't believe, uh, no, he thinks that his choice was a predetermined choice, and I believe that he wasn't. And I think one of the ways that it wasn't is is that it occurred in the pattern, but also I just think that um, Tam is so great <laughs> that he raised him to be able to, you know, accomplish that, and that's why he does say, like, I was raised better than, than the other ones. Okay, so, so yeah, did, just... Did, can, can I give really loony theory since we're, oh. throwing, we're throwing pizza on walls right uh, yeah now. yeah bring the loony so love when, the loony theory yeah so so the fact that Rand switches to morden's body and morden switches to Rand's body in theory his soul um my i i came up with the theory that both things did actually happen that there was a split there the pattern allowed for both things to happen that uh that Gay that Rand had perhaps may not. I'm fleshing it out, but may have made the choice to destroy what was, and Moradin jumped into that existence, and Rand jumped into the other existence. Uh, that there that there might have been a parallel a parallel pattern or a parallel type thing that occurred there where Morden actually took the route untraveled in Rand's choice per se, if that, if that, if that makes any sense. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I mean, while we're throwing pizza around, I'm going to drop my big theory. Um, this is something I'm going to do an episode on at some point, but pretty much I, I believe that Rand didn't win. And what's actually happened is Rand, uh, sorry, the Dark One has, has won everything and has trapped Rand in Teleronriod, um, making it seem like everything's hunky-dory and he's sealed the Dark One away and this and the other. And that's why Rand is able to light the pipe and no one can answer it because secretly the Dark One has won, chucked him in Teleronriod, which connects to all the worlds, and the Dark One is slowly just making his way through all the iterations of the worlds. <laughs> And, you know, just taking over, winning in them one by one by one, because we know he has to win in all of them to, um, to to really sort of destroy everything and break the wheel type thing. So, and there's Rand just floating along thinking, like, oh, I'm okay, everything's fine, it's sorted. And the Rand, and the Dark One is, is actually, you know, won everything. But, you know, I, I like those Dark stories. That's kind of, you know, I enjoy those twists at the end of books. That's me, so. Yes, it's like he's a reverse uh, um, Dreamwalker yes. or whatever it is. Uh, so he was uh, more like Slayer was, but in a benevolent sense. Mm -hmm. I have the theory that Rand could totally fly right now if he wants to. He could just imagine himself at 
Falme and he's just there. Yeah. If someone tries to bail fire mm-hmm. him, reality is just a weave. Oh, yeah. And he just splits it like Taryn. But he's like master of that. But he's in, so he resides in Teleran reality, but is in reality in the flesh, just like a dreamwalker can enter in the flesh, per se. Yeah, yeah, basically. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I love it. Just sorry, guys. <laughs> I think we're in Belgium. Where? How did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We've we've gone off the tracks a little bit. Yeah. So this so chat is saying like, oh, the rails have disappeared. You know. But, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like that's that's fine. I'm enjoying it. You know, it's good. Uh, I I I feel bad already for derailing what your show I, is fantastic. Let's talk cooking. Guys, so hey, how did your <laughs> honey cakes turn out? <laughs> <laughs> real quick real quick i wonder if there's a way we could get us uh, um some input from the chat or if uh if anyone if, if there's a way we want to include the chat before we end oh yeah absolutely because we have a we have yeah yeah no uh yeah if you've got a you've got any comments or theories like chat has kind of been exploding a little bit uh for those of you not here in the live one obviously if you're listening back you can't interact with the live chat but uh, yeah throw us something out for us What's uh, what's frustrating is that if you unless you're watching it live, the comments are like that's a great theory, but it, I think so. Basically, I'm going to read all the positive comments <laughs> as, uh, about myself, um, and all the negatives are going to be about you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, I think if you're not, oh, yeah, love it. Oh, uh, someone asked Malk, do you have that theory written down? I, I do not have that theory written down. It, it's something I've uh, been sort of like bouncing around for like the last six months or so. And um, yeah, it's I'm definitely going to do an episode on it. Uh, I don't know how long it'll take. It might be a couple episodes, but uh, it's going to take a bit of setting up in terms of the, the backstory or the, the context. But uh, yeah, so we've uh, just going to chat quickly. We do have a comment there that's uh, from Abigail. Perhaps Bran was the only person who wanted the job of mayor. Like perhaps everyone's like, oh, I don't want to be in charge of everybody else. Like leave it to them. So yeah. Ooh. Well, I was wondering, uh, that begs a question that can you uh, do harm um, for benevolence? Like, like, yes, like I do believe that he... There is a narrative I could sketch together that he's, you know, has good intentions, yeah. um, but the the outcome, you know, up until the point when the, you know, in Eye of the World, you know, Bran is pretty, you know, if, if we're taking our theory, you know, that doesn't fit. But yeah. Well, and I would also say that we we can say Zul, thank you for your your question. We appreciate the discussion. We didn't say. Hey, Zool, quit the Coblin talk, you black-veiled I.O. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's the difference. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I don't think you can tell Zool off anyway. Like, uh, I think she'd just uh, be like, uh, uh, no, thank you. Don't do that, please. But, uh, yeah. But I, I do enjoy this idea that uh, Bran was the, the only person who wanted the job of mayor. No one else wants it. Well, that, who, and would, that, who, you would, know who wouldn't want that power, though? I would think that a lot of people would would crave that position. <laughs> no, for real. I think that's a... Well, we don't know. I mean, we'd have to know what a real election is like. I mean, he could just be running in a post. I mean, he, you know, there. But there is this also this notion like the Winespring Inn is a very, very, very old structure and building, and it's like intertwined with this ancient, uh, you know, tree and stuff. So it's like, how did he get the Winespring Inn? 
um, it's hard, you know, so rarely do, you know, I mean, it's hard to imagine that that came just a, a, out of an act of benevolence, <laughs> you know, and, but me. And Zul, just point out uh, you can't equate affluence with corruption and greed automatically. And you are right. Uh, he, he, but uh, we don't know how he acquired the Wine Spring Inn, but it is clearly the nicest place and on the best piece of real estate in the village. He does not mm-hmm. sustain himself off of village and land life, per se, that we know of. We see him as pretty much the innkeeper. And, and mm-hmm. if people want to have a drink, the, there's only one spot, and that's there until later on when I think it was called the Archers grew and then suddenly um we may have some competition and but in the meantime that's all you have it seems like brand alvier has has uh, has settled into a pretty comfortable spot um based on on again based on uh his it's all on tourism it's all people coming and either drinking at his place or coming and staying at his place and these are not um, generally what you equate with Two River Folk. And so it is, it is worthy to question where some of this money may have come from. He is, because he is clearly the richest mm-hmm. guy in town. Clearly, like hands down the richest guy in town. Yeah. You, yeah, you look, go into it, his common room and every, he has... Well, yeah, I mean, um, he's got a clock, for example. I mean, you know, that, that they're not cheap to buy. So to have one of those means you've got yeah. money. Yeah, he has a thing to find two rivers of back. Go ahead, hey, just help yourself. It's right on the mantle. It's just the whole thing. I mean, hey, this look, is, sure. if you took, if you took one, if every, if every, if you took the bricks off of his, the wiring in, and spread them out onto all the roofs of Emmons Field. I think you might be able to cover everyone's house with brick. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Manatharan didn't have thatch roofs. <laughs> no, and now, now check this out. The one Thatcher is on the village council. It's a cabal. It's a it's a whole thing. Like yeah. like the one Thatcher is on the is on the council with the guy with the brick uh, building. It's it's insane. Right. And the first and the first thing we hear is it's a it's a bad omen that the storks aren't tearing everyone's roof. Yeah, so true. What what kind of tradition is this where storks nest in your roof and then you need the thatcher to fix it every year? This is this this is unsustainable. Yeah, that's so true. And you know, uh, the apple brandy that Tam makes, I mean, he's the only person that makes that. People wait for it at bell time every year. That's why he was dropping it off. But no one else seems to, you know, be making that on a regular basis, do they? And, yes. they, and they did say that other people t- make some and everyone has one drink and then says, nope, it's not as good. And then just sticks to Tams. Yeah, that's it. They all want Tams. But, you know, you've got the only Thatcher on the council, the only person who makes decent apple brandy on the council, the guy with the only inn on the council. You know, it's all very much just like just tucked in together and controlling everything, isn't it? So. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you, if you, if you take it in context of my idea that he's literally trying to keep grand in the most inconspicuous place possible um that kind of tight grip on commerce on the, and keeping everyone's kind of mindset uh, that way i think um if you you know extrapolate wildly from tam whispering and brand's ear and you assume that maybe tam has way more uh 
power over the situation that Bird let on, then it might just be to serve Rand in the end. He's trying to keep this place. It's like you don't want, you know, you, when I was living in Santa Cruz and um, borders came in, uh, they, were, they were like pouring paint on the, on the borders window and they were like protesting for weeks and weeks because they were like, I don't want, you know, we like it this way. Um, I think that if you think of it as things are being that way by design, you know, and then you ask why, I think the answer for me is that Tam was influencing the situation to keep everything so um, off the radar so that Rand could grow um, and he knew how much danger that he was in. Okay, so uh, here's my question following that. If Tam is controlling everything, you know, uh, uber secret to, to try and keep uh, Rand safe from all the dangers that he would actually be in. Is he keeping Bran in the loop? Is Bran aware of, you know, I brought this kid, I found him on Dragon Mountain. I think he's the going to be the Dragon Reborn and stuff. Is is Bran aware of the situation and assisting Tam in keeping it quiet? I think Bran's in the dark. But no one can do, know. But That's, we no do, one can know. We do think that Tam knew, was able to recognize that there was a mirror draw in theory. And so I don't know if he shared that with Bran uh, but they they both wanted to send um, people out like right away. And I don't know if that was a response to that Black Rider or the war in general. That's what they, they framed it as being, well, with the war, we want to know what's going on. I don't know if maybe they were just trying to get some of the young men out of, out of the village. And the only ones who wanted to send them out that night was Bran and Tam, but everyone else um, said, no, let's not ruin winter night. Um, so they, it's possible that they were trying to actually send some of the boys, the 20-year-old boys, out of the region because they saw that there was a mirror draw there, perhaps. Yeah. I believe that Tam prepared everyone, and I think the evidence is that when Rand comes back, he notices that someone could just tell that they were trollics and he thought that was odd how would that person know what a trollic is which is one of those things that a it's cool that Rand notices these things you you, you very quickly you see that Rand is just a, a astute uh, uh, and questioner um but also you know again like how did that guy know um and i believe it was tam i think tam was just sur sur surmising everything and set the conditions aside to make sure that if this goes down tonight, these kids are going to be safe. He went back to the home. He got his sword. He was ready. And then it hit. And, you know, he was able to, like, I, that's one of the reasons why I think all the kids survived. Is And we don't know any of that story. We don't know how Moraine was able to get the kids out of the home. We don't know any of that. So it could just be li literally Pam prepared every family with these kids and they were all prepared and when it came time for maureen to go in and say all right we need to go they knew because tam has all along given given them the heads up because he was able to suss it out through the stories of the kids that's what i think oh okay right so the, he kind of prepared the village for whatever might happen yeah that's why i think tam's a hero of all heroes if Rand is the hero of all heroes the the hero the you know again if my theory is that he chose to you know he had the actual power to blow it all up for the first time of all the turnings of the wheel and he decided to out of love for everyone 
Um, and that most, you know, that amazing passage where he goes through everyone um, and he says, I did it for all, them all. Like that choice, you know, the real choice, again, if I, if you take my theory that that was the first honest to God choice at, in a predetermined world where everything is predetermined by the pattern, he was able to step into the pattern and say, boom, and make, and finally make a choice out of love. I think that makes him the hero of all heroes, but that also makes Tam the dad of all dads <laughs> of all ages, right? That's why my love for Tam is never going to, Tam is my favorite character. My love for Tam will never diminish. I And I might be conflating everything just to make his story better, but I truly believe like most of what I'm saying. Even However, though he started off as a big fat liar. <laughs> Dude, you lie. Hey, you do that because if you're in a covert mission of all missions to save humanity, you do that. Like he's just the best. Well, and and, that, and, and that, that goes to the the whole theory then about communication. If if people had been open, open and honest, then things would have been a lot easier. And it seems like at least initially, the only reason they didn't share it is because they didn't. Want, want to be laughed at yeah uh, yeah and, and tree said that uh tam didn't lie that he was just leaving on information right that's a good mm. point like a tan i said he's like a tam should die <laughs> yeah tam should die like using that old uh the the i should die way of speaking about things and manipulating his words like if i just leave this out then no one really knows the actual secret so i i've um I'm just loving this. This is just so good. I'm loving these theories that are coming out, the ideas and the thought process behind them. You know, like, I love the stripping puppets, but this is... Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey we're more than stripping puppets. We have, we have, strip, we have brains. There, there are brains behind the stripping, right? This is the brain behind the, the, the stripping. That's oh, all. No, that's great. I'm loving it. It's, it's, I highly approve brains and beauty. It's brilliant. Oh, Malkia talks. You know what? I want to hire you to narrate my dreams. <laughs> Your voice is so silky smooth. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I love hearing your voice. I love hearing your podcast. And I'm really glad that you had us on. This is this has been really fun. <laughs> I and I apologize for just for just steamrolling every uh, concept of organization that you may have had <laughs> with our tangents. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You've got nothing to worry about. I, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of tangents. Uh, as I said earlier, like the podcast is just, you know, I make basic notes just to give myself some guidance, but it's all about being very organic. And I'm loving this. I'm loving the, the pizza we're throwing everywhere, just the way the conversations are going. I think it's hilarious. Um, you guys, I've, I've loved having you on. This has been everything i ever could have wanted from it it's hilarious so yeah this really has been just three guys enjoying talking about the wheel of time and just being really enthusiastic about things so <laughs> yeah i mean what we lack in talent we certainly make up for in love and enthusiasm oh yeah definitely and, and uh, t yeah Hey, I want to. I want to. I want to thank you also, um, Rob. You've been uh, ever since uh, you joined this community. You've just been adding and adding. Uh, it's been a blessing to get to know you. Um, we hope wish the best for you and your show. Um, every iteration of what you're doing, you seem to be uh, nimble and trying things out. And I hope when you land on on just the right thing that uh, it it just takes off. You deserve everything that's coming your way, and we hope to work with you again. 
Yes, Aww. and tell Barney Harris to call us. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> now that was uh, that was a mad Monday. That one really caught me off guard there. But thank you so much. I appreciate those words. Yeah, I've uh, I've been trying out lots of different things with the um, the things that do the videos and that. And it's uh, the cooking shows on hiatus while I make some changes. But I absolutely adore all this stuff, and I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it because. Um, you know, this, the fandom is just so engaging and uh, people like yourselves, it's just, it's wonderful to meet. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think I've taken up enough time. I think we should start wrapping up now. So boys, why don't you tell us once again where people can find your lovely sultry puppet voices? Um, so yeah, take it away. All right, I'll take it this time. Danny, you tried the intro at the beginning. We are The Way of the Leaf. We are a podcast and YouTube channel. We are podcasting a reread of the series, and we have a spoiler-free section and a spoiler section. We are live streaming also as well a first-time reader. Uh, we're just calling it for a chat stream. So yeah, we we have a first-time reader that is going through the books with us. We have decided to make that its own separate uh, thing, so that's just going to remain a YouTube-only. Um, uh, presentation we are trying to add it to the podcast it was making the podcast very incongruous and hard to listen to so we've decided to just make it its own thing so that's appearing on thursdays uh between five uh, let's say uh eight and ten eastern standard time on youtube on our youtube channel the way of the leaf you can find us also on twitter leaf underscore cast and our email is the way of uh, the leaf cast at gmail.com. And we are puppets. <laughs> and so, uh, in the future of our show is going to include uh, more um, uh, unique videos, more, um, we have a, a whole more ideas to in, grow our YouTube brand, I guess you could say. So, um, we are moving away from broadcasting the entire. Uh, podcasts as a video format that was not helping us at all we were basically people were watching 10 percent, and then they were turning it off so we are going to move away from that and then we're going to start making one-off videos that are shorter and more palatable for the add generation yeah you like these hot takes we're, we're gonna be throwing them we're gonna be tossing them <laughs> what are we gonna be tossing them like Ryan? we're gonna be uh, tossing them like uh, like like Storks of Beltane? <laughs> pizza everywhere? Like Storks of Beltane, like pizzas in New York. Uh, nice, yeah. Like, love, love the pizza. <laughs> there we go. Like like, like Discus on the Olympic Greens. <laughs> I, I think they're going to be taking off. Like Malkiar Talks is going to any moment. Awesome. You're this... the best. I'm honored to be. And this is your first Discord recording as well. You. It is, so, yeah. Thank you. No, thank you, guys. Um, yeah, this is the first time I've done live recordings in the Discord server that I've set up. The link will be in the description for the podcast. And um, yeah, I've we had technical hitches at the beginning, but uh, I think it's been great. I've really, really enjoyed it. So um, yeah, thank you so much to everyone who's been here and watched us. I know there's been a lot of your fans. Um, but yeah, I think it's time to, to sign off. 
Uh, yeah, so if you've enjoyed this, uh, please give me, uh, you know, a, a subscription to the podcast or whatever is appropriate on your platform. Uh, please send me comments. You can email me at malkiertalks at gmail.com. Tweet me for my Tam jokes at Malkiri R. And uh, you can also find me on Instagram and, and on YouTube and things of that sort of nature. But uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listened live. I want to say thank you again to my guests, diet, uh, guests Ryan and Dan. It's been fabulous. Um, this has been so much more than I could ever hope for. Um, so thank you so much. But uh, yeah, so that's all from me. And uh, yeah, so I'm just going to be like finish off with I have been Rob. I am Ryan's brother Dan, and I have and I have been Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you continue to be. Yes, yes. Please continue to be. Maybe, yes, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. No, no, yeah. Be, be Ryan. Continue. We like Ryan. We love Ryan. Stay. We we can uh, we can go like five, four, three, two, one and try it again. You edit. <laughs> I do edit. Yeah, sometimes uh, I usually take out pause of that, but I love that. That was fun. It was a little improv thing, and I thought, I wonder if they'll do it. But I love how it worked out. That's great. <laughs> that, that's beautiful. I think it was perfect. I think that's going to be your promo for your for the rest of oh. your days. Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's got to be something like that. As the the, the Guys, thing at the awesome. end. This is. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Thank you uh, i've loved it thank you everyone for listening and uh, wish you all a good night good night